0: the times in my life where I felt the most fulfilled, full of joy, and just like, so like, yes, I feel like me, I know what I'm doing. And I've, I'm on the right path is when I have pushed myself out of my comfort zone. And I have proven to myself that I can do something that I didn't think that I could. And I face that fear. And if, if you face the fear, obviously, more often than not, the worst thing that can happen is that, you know, you fail, it doesn't go right. But within that failure. It's usually just embarrassment and, you know, fear of others' judgment that's holding you back. But that's so unfair to, you know, to not live our lives to the fullest and not let ourselves experience, you know, fulfillment and joy and and the drive because we're worried about what other people think when really everyone is just worried about themselves. Deep Balance
1: I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. All right, Balancers, today I am honoured and so excited to have back a guest that we've had on the show before. She needs no introduction, uh, but I'm so honoured to have on Laura Henshaw. Laura, a warm welcome to The Balancere. I can't believe it's been almost a year to the date since we last spoke.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me again, Erica. I, I cannot believe, like honestly, it feels like maybe six months. Not year. Yeah, it feels <laughs> crazy. Sweet. And then like every time we chat, I'm like, it feels like we speak all the
1: time. Like, it just, <laughs> like we just feel so easy and, and conversational with you. So I'm so excited to get into, I guess, what's been happening in your life and a couple other things that I've seen you be really passionate about in the last year that I'm dying to ask you about. But let's do a quick little life update. What has happened with you in the last year since we had you on the show? What have been your, I guess, biggest milestones, biggest standouts?
0: Oh, I've tried, okay, the last year, goodness me, I feel like time flies and especially because we've obviously come through COVID, through this this whole past three years has kind of been like a little bit a of blur. a blur. And it's, <laughs> I'm still, I mean, one thing is I'm still finding like we, we were just chatting before we started about, um, we just had a long weekend where I live in Melbourne and just being able to socialise again is just So crazy because last year in Melbourne was the grand final weekend, and we're in lockdown, which just it feels like another world. But anyway, yeah, it's been wonderful (laughs) being in lockdown. What else has happened? I've got married. Um, since so exciting, yeah. Um, so that was that was so nice. Finally finally. happened. Yes, yes, finally happened. Um, and then the rest of my kind of everything else I've been doing has been kick. We our team's grown quite a bit, which has been really really exciting um we've we've launched lots of new trainers and and new content um and yeah everything keeps going it's going really well it's really exciting so that's kind of been literally when i think back to apart from being married it's just been kick
1: <laughs> as you they are two uh the two life partners it's your two, <laughs> two marriages in life
0: <laughs> and yeah, of course Dalton let's and not kick. Forget,
1: Yeah let's not forget about the the little puppies as well even though oh, i know yeah. they're not puppies anymore <laughs> i think if, you know those the golden retrievers stay they feel like babies forever <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, and especially our, actually our pup, or the puppy who's now, he's 18 months, Who's so not a puppy anymore, um, but he's really small. He's only oh, really? like 25 kilos, which for a golden retriever that's is small. very small.
1: I feel like um, that's a good so thing. So he looks almost. like a puppy.
0: That's yeah. so good. <laughs> I think because he's a COVID dog, he's a bit, he gets a bit anxious. So he's always like oh, worrying. Above. So maybe that's why he's in the I don't know. <laughs>
1: stunted his growth or something but they're beautiful (laughs) I always love seeing them pop up on my feed (laughs) um so just on the topic actually so as you mentioned we were chatting a bit off air you have those you know crazy weekends where it just feels like all events are on at once and just coming back to Sydney I feel like I've just re-emerged into reality and for me that was like okay wow I have like something to do this weekend because obviously in Dubai we haven't had time to settle and we haven't made a lot of friends because we haven't made our nest in our home and so I've really gotten used to just waking up on you know the weekend and doing what I feel like and coming back home it's like wow I have a schedule now Um, And so I wanted to ask you, because I know you were sort of, we were chatting, you sometimes have events that you can't avoid. And I know for a lot of people, it's a bit of a pain point, like not having time for themselves and then feeling like they have all these events that they can't get out of. So talk to me a little bit about when you have a weekend, like the one you just had, where you just feel like you have so many events, no time for yourself. What do you do kind of to cushion around that or to balance that out, I suppose, so that you don't feel so disconnected from yourself or your self-care? Like, do you kind of do anything to be proactive in that regard?
0: Oh, I mean, it's such a hard one because I was actually thinking about it um, on the weekend in terms of boundaries. And I had the weekend I just had, I had, they were all wonderful events. And also I'm turning 30 this year, so a lot of my friends are turning 30 I think around 30 it's like and even some of my friends I chat to they've got so many weddings and engagement parties there's just there's, there's a lot of baby showers it's <laughs> like all of these at, at you know we're getting to the age where it's like you just have a lot of stuff on and I think it's cuz I was thinking about I was listening to a podcast about boundaries and you know how you have to be very strict on them and you know you have to put yourself first and all those things and I think that's really really important but I think it's also important to acknowledge that you can't always have like black and white Boundaries. I think it was almost through COVID there was this big uh, re kind of resurgence of everyone speaking about boundaries. And I mean, we've spoken about it on the key pod. It's so important to have them. But I think in COVID it was very different because we didn't have any social like outings and things planned. So it was much easier to put boundaries in place. But in terms of, you know, what, what is really hard is if you have, you know, your closest friends' birthdays or baby showers and whatever it might be you can't even if you're really tired like you have to show up for your friends you can't just say like oh I've got these boundaries I'm tired I'm not going to come so I think it's um I was thinking about that a lot on the weekend because I was kind of thinking it's it's interesting because I think I you I have gone through stages of thinking of boundaries as like super black and white and now I'm I'm kind of thinking about them more as they need to be gray because it's like everything in life. You, you can't, it's not, life is not black and white. So it just doesn't, doesn't work yeah. that way. So I think for me, it's just making sure on the weekends where I don't have a lot of stuff on, I take time, um, take time for myself, uh, and then to, you know, walk the dogs or just spend time with them. They're my, they're my favorite things in the whole world, our two dogs. as They're very grounding. Um, as you know, animation. yeah. Get outside. Getting outside makes the biggest difference, and especially now that it's getting warmer, I feel like in Melbourne where I live, it's um, it's so much nicer when it's warmer. So I feel like get outside, get some sunshine, listen to my favorite podcasts, move my body. That helps so much, especially running. I love running; it's like my my form of meditation. But I just make sure that. Um, and actually, it's funny because we're about to go into the kick tour um, from this weekend. We're going to Adelaide, and then. Uh, exciting Zealand, yeah and Perth which will be wonderful but what what that also means with the kick tour is um, our weekends are traveling and then obviously Mm -hmm. the week like the business you have to keep running the business so it's it's going to be a big month but um, I think at this time of year too it's I love this time of year like it's so exciting getting into you know Chris getting closer to Christmas time and, and just summer and everything so I feel like knowing that even though I've got a really big month ahead usually I would not pack my weekends to the amount that they they're packed but that that is what it is right and um, I I think it's I'm so grateful to to do what I do so I just got to make sure that I do what I can with what I have so if I can find five minutes to do you know a guided meditation amazing or some breathing or a yoga class whatever it might be that's I just do what I can with what I have because I think it's easier to to do that than putting big expectations on ourselves Mm. and that you know we have to have this amount of time on the weekend for ourselves because Sometimes you just can't do it and then you kind of feel guilty and then guilty. it's like your self-care mm. becomes like a negative cycle because then you're putting yourself down because you're not doing it. But, um, yeah, so I try, try to avoid that. I think just let, let go of expectations and yeah, do what I can with what I have.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's really um, great advice and I'm glad we're speaking about this because I think it's all well and good to have boundaries but then it's not so simple, like you said, it's not black and white, to set them with things that you genuinely want to be doing or going to. And sometimes it's not a question of like, do I care about my boundary enough? It's almost like you have this competing priority between what you want to do and what you feel like you need to do and as you said then it feels like we put self-care on the back burner and then you go in this negative spiral and what I love about what you said it's almost like just embracing the days as they come so it's like great if you have a bit of a freer weekend you know that not all weekends are going to be like that and not all weekends have to be like that you know you have a very slow morning and you get to enjoy the sun all day like those are beautiful but it's also not always going to be like that just because of different times in the year and different moments in your life etc and so embracing them when they come, I think is a really powerful message because things are always changing. Life's going to be up. It's going to be down, but it's like knowing, okay, I have time this weekend and I'm going to cherish that. The second thing I love about what you said is removing that pressure of being, well, I'm interpreting as, you know, you remove the pressure of being like, I need to do this whole thing in its entirety. And it needs to look like this grand gesture to myself for it to be self-care. When in reality, it can be just like a five minute Breath work, it can be five minute meditation, it can be a call to your best friend, it can be cleaning a room, you know, the little things you can do every now and again. Like, I don't know about you, but when I travel, I also have like a couple go tos, and I only got familiar with them and used to them because we were on the road for so long. But little things like cleaning my space or, you know, planning my outfit for the next day, just little things that would give me peace of mind. Like, yes, it's not this typical list of things you would normally find in self-care but knowing that amid the chaos you can still find moments for yourself and it is about the moments rather than the grand gestures so i kind of like that you've brought that up because i think it's a very realistic way for people to connect to self-care whilst acknowledging that life is busy and it's crazy and we're going towards christmas so it's not changing anytime soon (laughs)
0: Oh, 100% and self care doesn't like it can be a face mask, it can be a bath, it can be like a five hour routine, but that's not only what it can be like, as you just said, Mm -hmm. cleaning a room like that to me. I have like having a clean house makes me feel so on top of things and, and I, I'm guessing are you an A like an A type personality like yes. very routine yes. yeah exactly the same <laughs> as me um, and I, I'm the same so like doing that actually for me it's like well you wouldn't think cleaning would be self-care for me therapeutic as... me feel good. yes and on top of it and I listen to a podcast while I'm doing it um, literally on um, what day was it on Sunday, I, like Dalton. my husband was like, why don't you just watch some TV? And I was like, no, I'm going to clean out my bathroom cupboard. And that was, (laughs) that was my, my therapeutic thing for me. And that's, and that's fine. And I think too, it's important to remember, I feel like on the weekends when we, we as humans, we always want what, what we don't have. So if I have plans, I'm like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed by my plans. <laughs> if I have no plans, I'm like, oh my God, why don't I have any plans? I'm so bored. <laughs> so we, you know, and then you feel bored and then, but then when you're so busy, you crave being bored. But then when you actually are bored, you're like, oh my God, I needed to go do something. So I feel yeah. like we just, it's yeah, just being okay with um, just being where more, you are. Suppose, more present yeah being and not like wishing for something else because the weekends that are busy will come and then the weekends that are quiet will come so I'm trying to focus on that and I think that's one one big learning that came out of kind of 2020 for me in 2021 was just that I had craved a slowdown for so long and I realized that I that's actually not like every now and then I love it but that doesn't fulfill me and make me happy. So I think I, it's actually it's in one, one silver lining is that I can kind of always look back on that and think, you know, no, I'm so lucky to be able to, you know, go out and see my friends and, you know, go to a restaurant and all of these things that, you know, we took for granted for so long. It's, I still feel a lot of gratitude for all of them as they come. Um, most of the time, sometimes I have to remind myself, but I think that's, that's all of us, right?
1: No, I think that's a beautiful reminder for everyone listening too. And, and I think something we can all relate too. You know, you have curly hair, you want straight hair, whether it's about something Mm -hmm. physical, something material, something to do with your time or your boundaries. It's just, I think the way humans are sometimes and not to be so harsh on yourself, but just remind yourself gently that there are weekends when you are, you know, bored and quiet and you want the complete opposite. So um, just, yeah, lapping in the moment where you are. And I agree. I think turning to gratitude to really like make the most or seize or just, you know, completely bathe in that moment and be present is a really beautiful way to to really anchor yourself. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about you and your role of being a CEO. Uh, I always love chatting to females who are in these kinds of positions, because as we know, and I know it's something you speak about a lot, even though I think there's been leaps and bounds made in towards like, you know, and against the gender parity situation, I think we still have quite a long way to go. And so, I wanted to ask you, what's been your most favorite, but also, sorry, not most favorite and most challenging, but your, an example of your most favorite time or experience or thing about being a CEO, and what's been the most challenging thing about being a CEO?
0: Oh, well, I'll start with the favorite. So my, I think that one of the most, I mean, the most special thing about what what I do and what we do at Kick. it's not what I do, it's what we do, is that there's, I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful I get to be a part of this incredible team and my role is, you know, to help guide the team and provide them with the resources that they need and support them and obviously look forward for the business, which is very, very important. But without our team, like m- my, if it was just me and, you know, even if it was just Steph and I, like we couldn't be doing what we're doing. So it's the team that drives is the engine of Kick. Um, and so I feel very lucky to be able to work. I think that's that's definitely my favorite part is to be able to work alongside some incredible, talented people that have chosen kick, chosen kick to be part of their career story. I think that's that's really, really special. Yeah, um, that's beautiful. Yeah, that so that that's definitely my, Mine my favorite. Your mission. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think that then aligns with, you know, what we're doing every single day at Kik, like we're, we're truly making a difference in people's lives and that's really, really special and a, and a huge driver to keep going. And then I think it really ties well into the most challenging part. I think the most challenging part for me, and, and I mean it's something that it's a big challenge for, for, for all of us at Kick, but it's just knowing and then I think within my role because I do obviously have to make a lot of decisions, knowing what to do. Um, because there are a thousand things we could be doing and knowing what the top and it's something that you know we work through with the team all the time it's just that yes we've got a hundred things that we need to do but we actually need to work out the top three priorities Mm. and work on them first because you can only do so many things at once if you try and do a thousand you'll spread or a hundred you spread yourself so thin that we're never going to have impact with what we're doing so I think the most challenging part of, of my role is really trying to work out what the best because we only have so many hours in in the day, and when I say yes to something, you know, for the business or whatever it might be, that's a yes that's going to take time and resources, and it usually means because obviously, like most businesses, we're at capacity. So when you say yes to an opportunity, you're saying no to something else because something has something has to give, right? So mm-hmm. I think that that's yeah. definitely the hardest and most challenging part. It's it's working through that kind of resource resource juggle and balance, um, mm-hmm. and then also kind of trying to take. The, I think I just I put so much pressure on myself to do the best job I, I possibly can in the whole world because I just I believe so much in in what we're doing at, at Kik um, and what we want to do with Kik and where we want to get to and so I think it's just also knowing that you know we can't do it in a day it's it's going to take some time and, and that's okay yeah. but um, and knowing again like reminding myself no there are only so many hours in a day and then also learning to try as much as I can to because there's times when again coming back to like balance and boundaries there's some times when you can't just put boundaries in place or, because there's things that just have to get done and you have deadlines and you can't just be like I'm gonna go I need a, you know I need a week off because I'm I need some self-care exactly right yeah exactly again though when I, we always say to the team like we talk about a lot we're not curing cancer like if some if you need to take a moment you take a moment a hundred percent um, but I think too, with, with with my role, sometimes there are things that are very, very important and timely and they just have to be done. So it's just, it's working through how within that, I also learn to listen to my body of when I need to have a like a little bit of a break. Mm. Um, because obviously being burnt out is also, that's not good for anyone in our team or for kick because... Mm. Um, I'm not going to be the best, you know, leader that that I can be in that state. But it's just, it's just trying to find find the balance, which I know your your podcast is all about. And it is, I, if you know the perfect theory, please. please show no, me. no, it's.
1: I think the reality of it's it is hard.
0: that it, It's it's a. I think
1: if people accept that finding balance, whether it is in business, whether it is with your fitness, with your diet, whatever it is, it's challenging and it's always changing. I think if you accept those two realities. Then it's easy to sort of just move yeah. with the grooves of life and test things out and be flexible and not be so hard on yourself. So I don't want to claim that I have the perfect formula, but I think if you accept the truths around balance and that there really is no perfect formula, and you are the best person to determine, I guess, what you need at any given moment, then I think your best place to achieve or at least kind of create some balance for yourself. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new
0: best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: But I'm really glad you brought up the idea of, like, listening to your body. And one thing I wanted to talk to you about, something I was speaking about with someone the other day, I think the advantage that female leaders have as opposed to male leaders, and I think is something that's very undervalued in the business world, is making intuitive and emotionally led decisions. I think this idea that like emotion and business kind of shouldn't be grouped together, I think has a lot of potential. And I, and I only bring it up because I think as women, we are just naturally so much more connected to our intuition. It's something we listen and lead from. Um, I don't know if you've had an experience, but like with our business ES Fit, there's been so many moments where like rationally, logically, business textbook, like, yep, that's the right option. Like you should make that scaling decision. You should invest that money, but you know, intuitively and and where can we started as a community, we've grown as a community and it's always going to be about community. And so intuitively and from my heart, sometimes that I don't want to make that decision because it conflicts with the community aspect. And sometimes you need to make those calls that I think in the business world women are undervalued for the value Mm. they bring from like an emotional point of view and I'm not trying to say that that's always the way to go but I think that there's a place and I think there's a lot of untapped potential in leading from the heart in a business point of view so I was just curious to know like as a leader do you find that at moments it comes down to What's your intuition saying? Or do you find that that's a really tough thing to lead from because of, I think, how the business world is sort of set up as it is being, you know, more male dominated?
0: Oh, I mean, oh, it's, that's such a good observation. I think in terms of, I completely agree with you. I think in terms of managing people, though, I think it's it's probably that's something that is that i struggle with a lot is disconnecting emotion because obviously you you care so much for your team and you you know you just want everyone or me i want everyone to be happy Um, and i think sometimes though emotional thoughts um in just in like things with people managing people i think that's probably not always very helpful um, but yeah. I you know I let's keep managing of, people yeah let's aside, keep managing people separate totally. that's one totally area where it. I feel like I I, I totally I feel, agree yeah I speak yeah. to other people about it I'm like but how can you just disconnect your emotions <laughs> and that you just have to do it and it's just but people that's it, it's why you get hard, HR right? involved <laughs> yeah it's hard but anyway so that that aside I completely agree with you I think too in terms of I mean if we look at Kick's journey for example for the first you know few years or two to three years we didn't have huge data systems and um, all of the things in place now that we have to be able to make data-driven decisions again there's still things we do now that we don't have data to measure everything so we have to try things um, but in the first three years if if we didn't follow our guts and lead with you know that really checking with our you know what what our gut our intuition um for the business was we wouldn't be where we were where we are today because when we started we didn't have a marketing budget we didn't have um all these all these things tools and resources that we have now so we had to make it work and grow without all of those things and so really all you can do is test and try things and see what sticks um, and mm-hmm. that all comes from intuition because I, I think for us as well like especially for Steph and I because kick has been built on, on our personal values that from to start with like and, and something that you know we we went through um, what we did which I, I think we touched on last time when we chatted um, in terms of, um, you know, our relationship with food and and for mm-hmm. women being on social media, it's young women, especially, it's a very hard place to be. It's a very positive place for us in that there'd be no kick, I don't think, without social media, because it enabled us to market to people that we, well, with no budget, you know, you could, you can do. But it's also a place that, you know, for Steph and I, and for, um, I mean, we had different reasons to go down the paths so that we did with um, kind of our Um, when we had bad relationships with food and exercise. But for me, it was mainly fueled by social media um, and Mm. what you're exposed to. So I think for us, we were just so passionate about creating this safe place um, for people to go to um, and, you know, still be empowered to live a healthy lifestyle, but in a safe and balanced way. Mm. Uh, And and that came from what we went through and what we thought, you know, people, you know, we thought if, if we've been through this, and this has affected us so much, Surely there's someone else out there that's been through yeah. the same thing. Um, and, and the same as well, because we're in the target demo, like we can, it's, we do trust our intuition because we know what we want. Obviously it's within now with the, we've got our wonderful community, which they're so fantastic and they give us so much feedback all the time. And, and that's so important. And then our team now as well. So our decisions now are probably, there's more processes in place However, it doesn't mean that we're still, it's what we say to the team all the time, we need to test things to try. And just because we don't have the data to know something's going to work, doesn't mean that we shouldn't try it because we would not be where we were today, where we are today without testing and trying, you know, in in the beginning. So you have to make sure you keep that. Otherwise it's, you know, you can't just make decisions on data. It's very important um, and if anyone from our team is listening now, they know I'm like data obsessed, <laughs> but <it's, you're>, uh, <laughs> maybe too much, but you ha- we have to find that balance It's so important. You can't, um, I think if, if every decision could be made based on information and data and there was nothing else that went into it, then every single business technically then should be very successful mm-hmm. because there should be a formula, but there's not, you have to test it and try things. So no, I completely, yes. completely agree with you.
1: No, I love that distinction because then the obvious answer is there is some emotion or heart led or intuit- yeah. intuitive decisions that make the difference between you know all the businesses as they are today. Otherwise, in a similar vein, they would all be very similar if they were using you know a tested and tried formula so I think that's really great advice not only for businesses that are currently operating but for people who are starting out I think and I only bring it up because I think a lot of people um, I know your background like you studied law like me and so going into business I had this you know kind of self-doubt of I don't really know what I'm doing and I've never run a company before and I don't really know like what to do it's just like you kind of make it up as you go when you learn as you go. But I think if you give yourself permission to to test and try and then as you develop those processes, keep that reminder in the back of your head that your intuition can be a strength. Mm-hmm. Not that it can be like, you know, I'm not advocating that it should be the only thing you rely on all the time. But I think just checking in with yourself to make sure it's aligned with the action you're taking I think is a really great way to stay, like keep that connection really strong with what you're doing through through your work and your business. And I know for you guys, it's so linked to your own personal paths and journeys, much like you know what I'm doing with this podcast and what I'm doing with ES Fit. And so I think that's just, um, I just wanted to call that out because I think it's hard to have that conversation with male leaders. You know, Mm. I I don't hear many talking about, I mean, I had this fantastic guy, his name is Joe Hawley. He's got a a group called the Heart Collective, where he's actually teaching leaders to make intuitive decisions from the heart, which I think is beautiful. Mm. Um, But I think I know a lot of people listening will be females. And so just a gentle reminder that, you know, you can go within sometimes for the answer, I think is a nice reminder. Kind of on the not the flip, but in a, in a bit of a different vein of conversation. Now um, I know imposter syndrome is something that you've experienced in the past. It's something I've also, shall we say, had a little dance with from time to time. And I was just curious if you wouldn't mind sharing, maybe, I guess your experience with that, how you've processed or deal or dealt with it, or if you kind of still feel it, but you feel like you have a better relationship with it today, just, I guess your general thoughts. And for anyone listening, I guess, I guess, um, imposter syndrome for me would be like an extreme level of self-doubt.
0: Totally. And it's when you, you know, for me, I always think of an example of how I sometimes feel and that's it. Someone's going to, you know, I'll be doing something really exciting that I never would have dreamed of doing that I have worked for. Right. But I do think that and thinking and worrying someone's going to come and tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey. This has actually all been a dream. Like now, you need to go back to what you know, what you could be, what you are capable of, which is much less than this. And so, I think it does tie in so well to what we were just talking about before, too, because in order to trust your intuition, you have to trust yourself and you have to believe in yourself, right? And so that's something that that Steph and I have, you know, been through both of us. And I think with imposter syndrome, it, it's something that absolutely I live with it every single day. Like, I don't want to come on here and pretend that I, you know, I'm so confident and I, um, I feel that I'm so capable. Like I would like, I work really hard to, you know, in, in what I do, but At the same time, I still have that kind of imposter syndrome voice in my head and I can't, I was speaking to someone recently and I I wish I could credit them because now I can't, it's not, their name is not coming to me and I feel horrible. But anyway, whoever I spoke to about it, they had a beautiful, oh, I feel so bad. I'm not crediting them right now. But anyway. If you remember, I'll
1: pop it in the show (laughs) notes.
0: We had a beautiful conversation about imposter syndrome. It might have been Sarah Holloway actually, um, who's wonderful. Um, She's amazing. Yeah, she's fantastic. And we are talking about imposter syndrome and she said that For her, it's a reminder that she still cares because if you get too comfortable in things, you know, when you get nervous, like before you, you know, for me, like before I record a podcast or whatever it might be, I don't want those nerves. And Sarah was saying, she doesn't want the nerves to go away because they mean that you care. And it's so true. Like we all know when you don't really care about things, like you don't really prepare you don't, you don't get those nerves um, and then it's not, you don't get the thrill from it. Like, oh my goodness, I just proved to myself that I could do something mm. and you really care about what you're doing. So I love that perspective on it's it. It's a
1: really nice reframe.
0: Um, yeah, totally. Absolutely. And I, I think as well, it's important to, to acknowledge if anyone that feels this, go and Google imposter syndrome and especially a TED talk. There's um, so many TED talks and one of the co-founders of Atlantison, um I think it's Mike Cannon-Brooks, he is the probably most, I would say, one of the most successful entrepreneurs to come out of Australia. Like Laddison is worth billions and billions of dollars and he has imposter syndrome. He deals with that every day. And so I think the biggest um, misconception when it comes to it is what I used to think. The more successful I became, the more I would be worthy or the more I achieved, the more because I think success is hard to use because I think it's, it's um, everyone has different definitions of it. It means different, it. T- yeah totally. But in terms of achievements, I thought that the more I achieved, the less I would feel like an imposter because my achievements would then make me worthy of where I am. It yes. is the opposite. The more it's, that it's I have <laughs> yeah, like put quotation marks achieved, the more I'm like, Oh my God, now what am I doing here? How did I get here? You know? Um, but that's, and that's okay. What's a really important though, and especially for any, um, and I say, when I say female entrepreneurs, I mean, I, I know, um, male, like all, all um, genders experience imposter syndrome. But I think for females, self-doubt is something that does overtake us quite a lot. Um, And I, so what I would say to anyone listening is that you have to make sure it is okay to have it. It's not, it doesn't mean you're less worthy or less capable, but you have to work out a way to tell Mm. that voice, thank you so much for for checking on me, like for being here, you know, forgive me these nerves, but I can do this and I'm not going to let this imposter syndrome take over me and consume me because I think that's when self-doubt is dangerous. It's when it holds you back from doing Mm. what you are capable of doing and believing in yourself. Um, and that's when it's not, cause I think if you think of all of the successful people in the world that, you know, that live with imposter syndrome every single day, and there's thousands, millions of these people, right? They have found a way to not let it consume them. And that's, what's important. You don't want to be sitting back in 50 years and thinking, wow, all of the things I could have done mm. if I stopped being my biggest inner critic. Yeah. Cause you don't want your inner critic to win. It's okay that it's there, whatever it is, what it is, but you just have to find ways to push through it. And I think it's, for me, it's like, what? What if if I lean into the imposter syndrome and lean into self doubt? Like, what's it going to do for me? It's going to make me feel like bad about myself. I'm not going to have my drive and my motivation because it kind of sucks that out of you. Because it's like, why would you be driven or motivated if you don't believe that you're capable of doing anything anyway? You don't want to try new things. Um, And then I always remind myself that my biggest like my my the times in my life where I felt the most fulfilled full of joy and just like so like yes I feel like me I know what I'm doing and I've, I'm on the right path is when I have pushed myself out of my comfort zone and I have proven to myself that I can do something that I didn't think that I could and I face that fear and if, if you face the fear obviously more often than not the worst thing that can happen is that you know you fail it doesn't go right but within that failure it's usually just embarrassment and, you know, fear of others' judgment that's holding you back. But that's so unfair to, you know, to not live our lives to the fullest and not let ourselves experience, you know, fulfillment and joy and, and the drive because we're worried about what other people think when really everyone is just worried about themselves. So I think yeah. that's just really important. You just have to find a way to push it to the side, but it, it's okay that it's there.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree anymore. and And I really like that you've brought up you know, that successful people even experience this. And I think you're so right in that we tie our value to or our worth to our output, which is so such toxic thinking. But it's, it's something that I think just the way the school system works and uni and just the general trajectory of the Western world that we live in, it's a really hard one to break. Um, And so on that note, I think if it is something that you're experiencing, I think it's even useful to think back, like not necessarily forward, but think back to another time where you felt that way and then you achieve something on top of it because it reminds you that this voice exists there. And like you said, it's okay, but it's something you can overcome. And I think having like a contingency plan of how you can work at it is really important. And it's something you kind of need to be very proactive and on top of because letting it you know, just letting it be and and letting it kind of be in your head, I think sometimes is a bit risky because it it may get to a point where it overpowers your own voice or your own Mm. needs and desires. And as you said, that can be a really tricky and dangerous place. I actually interviewed a a lady. She's an imposter syndrome expert, which was really, really cool. So I'm going to pop a link to that episode just in case anyone's really struggling. She goes through some really practical like four-step plan on how to deal with it when this voice comes up. So I think that's one worth checking out. But then the other thing, which is so simple, is just that mindset. Re-shift, mm. reframe that you offered that Sarah um you know shared with you and it's just that idea of okay what does this fear mean and sometimes it's just you're trying something for the first time so of course you're going to be nervous because it's so uncertain and I I did um an episode two, just kind of talking about reframing your fear with failure and ultimately mm. like you said like not that I want to be nervous my whole life, but that's an experience I want to feel forever because it constantly means that I'm trying different things. I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And that's like just a sign from your body saying, whoa, we haven't tried this before. It feels a bit weird. And, you know, you can just acknowledge that it's there and give yourself that. I think it's just giving yourself permission to feel Mm. that way, giving yourself permission to be like, okay, I have an inner critic rather than rush to judgment or panic or worry and just accept that, these are things a lot of people feel and I love getting you know, people like you on the show who are so humble and down to earth that no matter what you've achieved and how big your business has become and all the things you've done in life, like you still struggle with these things and being really open about it I think is useful because we're all humans at the end of the day and I think if you can just accept that we're all in this kind of shared experience and you know, there's nothing wrong with you if you're experiencing mm-hmm. these things but then- you know, listening and finding ways to cope with it, I think, is is really really important. So, thanks for opening up a bit about, I guess, your experience with it, um, and for anybody listening who is struggling with that definitely check out the show notes below thank you so much for coming on the show today i mean i know we could chat for hours and hours but you're a busy bee and so i will let you go um but just quickly if people want to follow along your journey i mean obviously you've got the incredible kick podcast so i'm going to pop links to that in the show notes below if they want to link up with you further where's the best place they can do so
0: Oh, thank you. Well, you can um you can find everything about Kik on our website www.keepitcleaner.com. and our you can also find our app on the app store, which is just, if you search keep it keep it cleaner. Um and where else can you find me? On Instagram at Laura.henshaw and then TikTok. What's my name? Oh, I don't even know. Laura I follow you, I
1: think, I'll find it and pot it. Laura Henshaw I think it's
0: just I can't actually maybe it's the same, laura.henshaw on TikTok. I try <laughs> my best on there, but anyway, it was um it was so nice to chat. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: No, my pleasure. Lovely to reconnect, and hopefully we can do it again in about a year's time. <laughs> when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS.